Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-back attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. On today's show, a look back to the Panthers' 31-17 loss to Tampa Bay and a preview of their Week 3 matchup versus the LA Chargers. Here's your opening drive. And welcome to the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. This is the opening drive. I am your host, Desmond Johnson, and I am joined by my esteemed colleague, two-time Super Bowl winner, the first defensive player ever selected by the Carolina Panthers franchise back in 1995, uh, former cornerback Tyrone Poole. What's going on, Ty? How are you doing this morning? Man, I am doing awesome, Desmond. It's great again to be in the presence of the Carolina Panther hopefuls. Working that thing. Keep pounding. Didn't come away with a win this past weekend, but hey, keep pounding. But it's great to be here, Des. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. I um, It's kind of weird. The Panthers are 0-2, but I still feel fairly optimistic about what I've been seeing the past two weeks. And uh, we've started since the season began. Uh, we start doing basically a recap of what some things that me and Ty saw uh last week uh with the previous game and then we'll give you four keys to the upcoming game for the panthers here uh this upcoming sunday of course panther fans you all know that uh carolina lost to tampa bay 31 to 17 this past sunday Mm -hmm. um had to go on the road for the first time this season and uh we'll we'll give you what we saw on there i did see that uh uh tyrone's three whys from last week Apparently it was a big hit, so hopefully Ty's going to be continuing that this week in terms of his uh, the three whys that he saw that popped up <laughs> over the course of uh, <laughs> over the course of the game on Sunday. I'm sure there was a few uh, of them. There was a lot of a lot of different things that happened yeah. uh, in that game yeah. <laughs> versus Tampa. Um, three things we noticed this week, uh, and we can go back and forth with these Ty instead of us uh, yeah, running them out. And I, I wanted to start off because this has been something that people have been talking about the entire off season. I know they're infatuated with the names, uh, the, the, the careers of some of the guys that are now wearing Tampa Bay pewter. But my first takeaway from last week was that Tampa Bay is not a Super Bowl contender. Like they just aren't like, I, I'm not falling for it. Uh, Brady, Basically, to me, was showing signs of age uh, watching him play for three-plus hours last Sunday. He was 23 for 35, only 217 yards against a banged-up Panthers defense that was starting multiple rookies at all three levels of the defense. Um, Brady yeah. didn't seem like he had the same spin on the ball. Um, the, the passing game suffered because of it. He threw a touchdown, yes, off of one of our turnovers, but then he also had an interception uh, by Dante Jackson from the Panthers, who to this day, I still don't know why he wasn't still running. He just kind of ran out of bounds with about 11 yards still in front of him. Um, but that was the first thing I noticed. It's the second week in a row that the Panthers had allowed over 100 yards rushing in a game. They allowed 122 to Tampa Bay. If you take away Leonard Fournette's 46-yard game-changing touchdown run in the fourth after the Panthers pulled yeah. close, 
the Panther run game and the defense actually looks better um, than than it has. And I know Panther fans are are like, oh, we can't stop the run. It's a continuation from last year. It's a little different than la- last year. People were just gutting us for 10, 11-yard runs up the gut, like with no no uh, regard <laughs> to Panther defense yeah. who was out there. This is a little different. This is more guys in new roles, guys that are rookies. Uh they they haven't put it completely together yet, but it felt a lot of Sunday was self-inflicted. But that was the first thing I noticed was that Tampa Bay, to me, is not really a Super Bowl contender. When you put them up against, uh, man, Seattle looks really, really good. Um, Dallas had a crazy comeback against Atlanta. Uh, there, there's a number of NFC teams that look pretty – hell, Arizona is 2-0 right now. But I, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't trust Tampa Bay based off of what I saw Sunday. So that's my, my first thing. Ty, what, what do you got going on? Well, uh, I'll say this here. Uh, playing the game, there are a few things that I try to look at that tells me a lot about how the season would go or will go. And uh, even when I played, I, I, if, if we hit on these things here, then we are probably going to have a great season. Uh, if we didn't, then it's going to be a long, long road. But I look at the fact that there were no sacks, no sacks. Panthers still in two games have no sacks. And if you're going to win in the NFL, this is a throwing league. You have to be able to sack the quarterback. And if you can't sack the quarterback to let that guy know that you were there and you're going to be in his face all day, it's going to be a problem. Uh, the run game, you got to be able to run, run the ball. You know, when Christian went out, of course, you look at the total numbers. I don't think the Panthers got over 100 yards uh, rushing uh, as a team. Uh, that is a uh, big problem. And then penalties. Penalties. You cannot have penalties. They had about nine penalties. And some of those penalties were drive stopping or drive continuing uh, penalties for the Buccaneers. So you can't shoot your foot. You can't shoot yourself in your own foot, as they say. You can't be a, a Barney Five from uh, the Andy Griffin show. <laughs> you can't have that one bullet and then still shoot yourself. And, and right now, uh, that's what I see. I'm like, you got to put pressure on that QB, and you can't. You you can't. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. Now, what I'm about to say, you gonna the fans are going to agree with me. I don't care who you are. You cannot give a team 21 points, unless you're the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> give a team 21 points. Now, that's no knock on the fact. It is what it is. Yeah, it is. It is what it is. They brought it on themselves. Exactly. They brought it on themselves. They're going to be the pawn of every joke. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, yeah. You can't give a team 21 points into the third quarter. Eight minutes and 36 seconds into the third quarter, you're down 21-0. You can't do that and expect to win. I don't care who you are. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, you, you can't do that. And that was actually my second uh, thing I noticed this week. The margin of error for the 2020 Carolina Panthers is incredibly small, razor thin. Because just looking at the game from a whole, like I think I – I had to leave the room or no, no, I remember what it was. I left to get lunch for me in the house, but right before the Panther kickoff. So I was actually listening to the kickoff on the radio in my car, uh, driving around my hometown, picking up food, got back to the house and started watching the game and realized that Teddy Bridgewater had already thrown two interceptions in the first quarter. 
and uh, he, he had a fumble that he lost as well. So that's three turnovers on your starting quarterback, which led to 17 Tampa Bay points. You just can't do that and win in the NFL no matter what your team is, whether you're a team of rookies, whether you're a team of vets, whether you're the defending Super Bowl champion. You can't have three turnovers and expect to win. Now, can it happen? Yes. And the, the Panthers made it a game, which we've expected all year. They were going to be in shootouts. They were going to be in close games. They had enough talent to keep things close. But you can't turn the ball over. So that and then I started noticing really in the second half and primarily part of that was probably because the Panthers were down. But I I don't know two weeks in, Ty, what is the Panthers identity? Like, what is this team? Are they a passing team? Because they're they're actually rated pretty high in terms of passing yardage. They're fourth in the league in passing yards right now at right under 300 yards per game. Um, are they a run team? Are they a defense first team? Like, what are they? Like, what are they going to be known for? And right now, two weeks in, I'm not really sure what they're going to be known for, especially with Christian McCaffrey being uh, placed on injured reserve. He had a high ankle sprain during this game, and he's going to be out at least four to six weeks. So you're talking half the season, basically, uh, where we won't see McCaffrey till possibly week seven, week eight. And by then, uh, this this season may be written in terms of what the Panthers truly are. But I, I, I caught a vibe like I'm not sure the Panthers know exactly what they are going to be yet in terms of uh, when opposing teams line up against them, what's the first thing that opposing team is thinking of they need to take away from the Panthers? I don't know yeah. what it is. Uh, and I don't know if they know either. So I think that might be yeah. a little bit of an issue. Um, but that's my, that's my second thing that I noticed this past weekend. Um, what was your uh, second, Ty? Well, just going off of what you said, I think the Panthers, they want to be a pass first team. They want to be a run. They want to be a pass run team. You know how some teams they run to set up the pass. I think the Panthers want to pass to set up the run because you look at the makeup of their offense. That's what they are. They have a lot of skilled guys and Christian McCafferty, 5'11", 205. That's what the book says he is. He's not that type of guy that you're going to pound, pound, pound. But he is the type of guy you can give him the ball between the tackles. He can bounce it outside. So if just looking at them on paper, I would say that they are set up to be a pass run team instead of a run pass team. The defense, uh, we're still figuring that out. We're still in the first round, so to speak, (laughs) and nobody throwing any punches. So let's give them a couple more weeks and see a couple more rounds, a couple more weeks and see what type of fight are they going to be? Are they going to be in a B.A.? being but not break defense or would they be an aggressive we are going to bring the game to you type of defense but uh just going back uh i did mention the uh which team which team was going to basically correct as far as points and the buccaneers had given up 31 the previous week and the panthers had given up 31 to the raiders and looked like the buccaneers came back and said hey our defense we're going to be a little bit better. So they gave up 17 and the Panthers still gave up uh, 31. But also uh, I look at the fact that uh, the pressure put on Teddy Bridgewater, you know, it's a lot of pressure put on him by the Bucks defense. And sometimes they blitzed and sometimes they got there with a four man rush. Now uh, I know we're going to talk about the charges coming up, but that's something that has to be fixed. And, and I, I don't have just one thing. Uh, I can't give like one thing. <laughs> but, um, also, coming away from that game, I'm like, what's up with the three-man rush? Oh, my gosh. Three-man yeah. rush. I'm like, that is a prevent type of defense. Why are you rushing three people on second and nine? And 
and, and you still don't stop them. So yeah. I'm like, come on, man. I'm like, you know, that's a prevent defense. Uh, so come on, Coach Snow. I, I, don't, I don't know what's what's going on with that. But will the, you know, the, the four man, three man, or, or do you bring heat? But so I kind of get where you're coming from. They don't have an identity. You know, you don't know what you're going to get, a three-man prevent rush, or you're going to get a traditional four-man rush, or you be a, or will they be aggressive and bring some heat, bring a blitz. So uh, we're still in the first round with the defense. I don't even feel like I've seen them blitz. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm sure they probably have, but it doesn't feel like they have blitzed at all. Um, and that actually was my third one. No pressure defense. Like, okay, I don't know what they've, they decided to do the first couple of games of this season, but I'm kind of over whatever it is they're doing on defense right now. They're, the Panthers are the only team in the NFL to not have a single sack through the first two weeks of the season. Uh, they only have one quarterback hit, Ty, in two games. One. And, and they just played Tom Brady, who can't run. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't understand this. And the Tampa Bay offensive line is, isn't exactly – uh, really good. So we should have been able to get back there. Uh, the Saints lived in the Tampa Bay backfield in week one. So uh, we have a minus two turnover differential after uh, week two. Uh, we've allowed six rushing touchdowns. That's the most in the NFL. Uh, the, the offense seems to be okay. They're, you know, they're averaging over 400 yards per game. That's ninth in the league. I mentioned before, fourth in the league in passing yards. I think Teddy Bridgewater second in completion percentage in the NFC. Mm-hmm. I, the offense doesn't seem to be the issue. It's the defense. We can't stop anyone. Um, or I should, I should change that. We can't stop people consistently because really they were doing okay in the run defense uh, on Sunday. Uh, until Fournette popped off that 46-yard run, and really there was no excuse for it. He just basically broke through the line. There was nobody left, and he just you know, took off running. At a part of the game where the defense should have been uh, hyped, tune, something, the Panthers had just went down and scored a touchdown and had made it a one-possession game it, late in the fourth quarter. There was, I mean, it's still kind of up in the air there, even with all the turnovers the Panthers had, all of the short fields they gave the Bucks, which led to scores. In the end, really, the margin of victory was off the points, off of the turnovers that the Panthers had early in the game. They were they basically dug a huge hole and then tried to dig them way themselves out of it and just couldn't. And that, to me, was the most frustrating thing about it because it was one of those games where it was like, I'd almost rather be beat down and know I didn't have a chance to beat that team because they were just that much like exponentially better than my team than to play poorly still have a chance to win the game in the end and then lose it anyway. Like, because then you're left the whole week kind of thinking, man, we should have won that game. Like we, we didn't, they didn't beat us. We lost the game. And that's how I feel about Tampa right now when it comes to the Panthers, because they they basically did. The Panthers lost that game versus Tampa, as opposed to Tampa going out and beating Carolina, which is why I don't believe Tampa's going to be a Super Bowl contender. There's a lot of other teams in the NFC that I think are just better uh, than Tampa and better equipped to make a run. What happens to Tampa if Tom Brady gets injured? Like who's the, who's the backup for this? So, I mean, I, mm. yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to go back and you hit on some, you, you test on some things. I just want to add in to your, uh, ingredients those are my I'm three yeah. Couple, yeah i'm gonna throw a couple of uh uh, uh nuts in there <laughs> a couple <laughs> of uh chocolate chips in there, there you go. <laughs> uh plus abuse but when you mentioned about the panthers moving the ball okay i'm gonna compare that to a defense similar is the very same philosophy on offense it's just reversed on defense 
we we would tell ourselves we don't care if a team throws for 400 yards we don't care if a team rushes for 600 yards as long as they do not score that's what you call a bend but don't break defense Mm -hmm. you can move the ball up and down between goal line to goal line all you want to but you would not get in our end zone because believe it or not, that's where games are won or lost. I even heard Steve Young say this one time before. He says every time the offense kicks a field goal, he felt like they were that much closer to losing the game. So what I'm trying to say is you got to score touchdowns. Your offense has to score a touchdown. You can move the ball up and down the field. You can throw for, for, for 400 yards. You could be 33 out of 34. But if you don't have no touchdowns, you are not doing your job. Yes, you had great stats. Yes, that's going to put you up in the stats for the NFL, and you'll be ranked third and fourth. But will you win games? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So third down is very important. you got to get off the field on third down as a defense. That's what we're told. We're told get off the field on third down. On offense, they're told to pick up the first down, sustain the drive. Because we all know a great defense is a great offense that stays on the field. Mm -hmm. So if the Panther hopefuls, if we want to keep pounding and get better, then I think those things right there, what I just named, points allowed. You got to put points on the board. You got to put touchdowns. Anytime you get inside their green zone, as they call it for the offense, you got to put touchdowns. If you, and and, and remember I said in the beginning, there are certain things that, that, that I know that if I see that we got a great team, that we're going to have a great season. One of those stats is what I'm talking about. When I see our offense get in that green zone, and that green zone is anywhere from the 20, 25 to the goal line. That's the green zone. For the defense, it's called the red zone. Of course, red means stop. You got to stop them. <laughs> green zone <laughs> Green zone means, hey, let's pick it up. Let's get this ball into the, to the end zone. So if I see our offense scoring touchdowns, oh, oh, yes, we're going to have a great season. And if we can stop our offense, the, the, our opponents from scoring and make them kick field goals, yeah, we're winning. Because just like Steve Young said, every time an offense kicks a field goal, that's four points that you kept them from putting up on that board. So in this day and age of the football, every point is a must. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. And uh, over the past two weeks, I, get, I think the one thing that we've both learned with this Panther team and Panther fans in general, maybe the Panthers themselves, they can't play from behind. Like, they, they're not ready to play from behind yet. Like, they kind of have to get out early uh, and get on a team early and establish those, those uh, traits, those patterns, the, the things that they want this Panther team to be, like we were just talking about. They're not the type of team, although they've got some offense, but they're not the type of team that they can battle back 14 down, you know, halfway through the first quarter. They can't dig a hole for themselves and then expect to be able to get back like a uh, – they're not the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> they can't They can't spot a team 17 points and then come back and beat them by 30. Like, they're just not built that way. They're not there yet. So, uh, those are our, our things we noticed uh, last week. Uh, the Panthers losing to Tampa Bay 31-17 to to fall to 0-2 on the season in 2020. Uh, Two quick news notes before we move forward in the uh, Panther podcast to discuss the preview against the LA Chargers uh, four o'clock kickoff on CBS this Sunday. Uh, Running back Christian McCaffrey placed on IR this week. He suffered a high ankle sprain versus Tampa Bay. 
Uh, he's expected out about four to six weeks. Um, I was hearing a doctor talk about these types of injuries on the radio earlier this week uh, here in the Carolinas, and he mentioned that uh, usually like a high ankle sprain, they take a little longer to heal, but very rarely do they result in lingering long-term damage to a, an athlete. Uh, so really it's more of a precaution type thing. I think I had heard that McCaffrey took himself out the game uh, versus Tampa and then got the x-rays and whatnot to find out about his, his ankle. But I'm kind of up in the air about, you know, having him play, having him not play. He's the highest paid running back in the history of the league with the new extension he just got. Not sure what this team is going to do. But on the other hand, I come from the world of I don't believe in saving players. Like if, if you paid him that money, regardless if you think you're going three and 13 or 13 and three, play that man like he's your best player. Like he gives you a chance to win every week. So I don't believe this nonsense people are saying online about, oh, wrap him in bubble wrap. Oh, you know, save McCaffrey, bench him for the whole year. Like you can't quote unquote tank like you can in the NBA. In the NBA, you could throw a whole season away and you really only need like two or three really, really great players to turn a team around in the NBA. It's 15 guys total. In the NFL, you can't just tank. Like it doesn't really work that way. Teams have, I guess, tried to do it, although I don't even think they were really trying to tank. It's hard to tell 52 grown men to not play your best for, you know, an 18-week NFL season, yet still go out there and put your body on the line and, and still, you know, make it look like you're doing something. I don't, I've never believed that teams tank in the NFL. So I'm seeing Panther fans saying we should tank for Trevor Lawrence and all this other stuff. If we're not very good, then we're going to get a chance to draft Trevor Lawrence. But I don't believe in throwing a season away for something that's not a guarantee for a guy that may or may not be the future of a franchise. So one of the well, – I, 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 Yeah, I'm going to say this. Uh, I hear what you're saying, Desmond, but uh, playing this game and have played it for a long time, man, um, i tell you like this. Uh, from a player standpoint, from a player standpoint, uh, Carlton Bailey. Uh, Carlton Bailey used to be um, with the Panthers, played with the Panthers uh, uh, back, you know, in the early years, the inaugural season. Yes, one of the original Panthers. So you know where I'm going with this story. And for those who've heard the story before, you're going to hear it again. And for those who <laughs> uh, have not heard it, this is going to be something that's going to be very educational to you. But it goes back to what you're saying about Christian McCaffrey. Um, Carlton Bailey, you know, told me one time uh, as a young rookie, and I was aggressive. I was aggressive, man. I, I, I love football. Wanted to, uh, as they say, eat, sleep, drink football. And Carlton Bailey came up to me one time, and he said, young fella, he said, come here for a moment. I go over. I said, what's going on, old head? He said, young fella, the name of the game is longevity. You can't make money in the training room. So it took me a little while to kind of understand where he was coming from, but I eventually saw it. I saw where this guy was a phenomenal athlete. He got injured and the team used his injury, even though they knew he still could play, but they used that injury against him to keep him from getting that big salary. Now I know we saying Chris McCaffrey, well, he already got his money. He need to be out on the field. I hear what you're saying, Desmond. I hear what a lot of people are saying, but at the same time, if I'm the Panthers, this guy is your future. Okay. Everybody wants to win, but this is a business as well. Okay. This is a business. And most teams that there are a lot of teams, they won't say it. Coaches are not taught to come out and say, well, we're not expecting to win this year. All of them going to come out and say, we are expecting to win. That's what they're taught. If they say right. anything less, it's almost like uh, you're on an airplane and you're cool as a passenger. You're cool 
when you see the stewardess or the flight attendants <laughs> moving about the plane and there's no panicking in them. But if the captain comes through that door, he says, y'all better start whatever, whatever, start praying. That's when you start worrying and you start yeah. saying, well, what's going on? <laughs> that might now, be the time, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that that's what I'm saying. So when these coaches are taught to say certain things that are basic, so the Panthers are not thinking about, hey, we're going to hold Christian McCaffrey out for next year, but at the same time, he is a human being and you got to look after his health. But at the same time, you know that he's the future. You want him to get out there and play. You know he can win some games for you. So I believe the Panthers know that they are building. And they it's going to take a while for that system to get implemented. They still need a few more pieces here and there. So with that, an electric player, like exciting player like Chris McCaffrey, you got to make sure you treat him the right way. And that's why you have backups. That's why you have backup. So Mike Davis, he got to get up and he got to step up, man. I know he's a different beast. Yeah. You know, Chris McCaffrey, 5'11", 205. I think Mike is anywhere from uh, if he's 220, 5'9", 220. So, yeah, I think that's so yeah. a different type of beast. Yeah. But you got to protect your franchise. And Christian right now is that franchise guy. You don't want to take games, but you also got to build towards the future as well. You, know, one, you mentioned Mike Davis. One thing I did notice last week that we didn't really talk about um, I, I mentioned after week one, it didn't feel like Teddy was really looking for McCaffrey in the pass game in terms of checking down to him. As soon as it, it continued on in week two, he didn't really look for McCaffrey at all in the pass game. Uh, but I can't really be mad at him because he's thrown at a 72% clip to his wide receiver, well, to everybody. So whatever he's doing is working well. But then I noticed when McCaffrey went out, he started checking down to Mike Davis. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Like, why weren't you doing this to McCaffrey when he was in there? So I'll be interested to see. I'll be interested to see if that continues on here week three as Mike Davis is going to get considerably more snaps uh, with well, McCaffrey you, being out. Yeah, I'll tell you that. I, I get to answer that one right now. Again, uh, being a defensive player and studying the game for over uh, 12 years, Christian McCaffrey, I'm pretty sure the defensive coordinator said Christian McCaffrey is the guy we need to stop, Okay. Uh, Robbie Anderson, yeah, you know, he caught some passes. You know, DJ Moore has talent. Curtis Samuel, he has ability. But Christian McCaffrey is the spark plug. Now, once he went down, the defensive game plan shifted. Now, let's focus on the wide receivers because we know Mike Davis, that's not what he's known for. So that's why he was open. That makes sense. Yeah, if that makes, Christian that McCaffrey awesome. was in there, then the defensive strategy changes. Let's focus back on Christian McCaffrey because that's where he's going. And so, plus, at the time of the game when Mike Davis did come in for McCaffrey, it was in the fourth quarter. The Panthers were trying to come back uh, down, you know, 14 points or whatever it was. And and Bridgewater was just trying to get chunks of yards in front of him with a, with a running clock, basically, too. So I'm sure that probably added into yeah, exactly. while Davis was go. getting some targets there. Um, and then the second bit of news before we go uh, forward with Panthers versus Chargers preview uh, got word from the state of North Carolina this week, Ty, that the Panthers will be allowed to have about 7% capacity at Bank of America Stadium starting October 2nd uh, when they play, if I'm not mistaken, the Arizona Cardinals uh, will be traveling here to play us. 
next Sunday, not this Sunday. Uh, so Bank of America Stadium holds about 68,000, 69,000. 7% of that's roughly about 5,200 fans that they're going to be able to allow in. I, we have no idea how you get the tickets. We have no idea what the process <laughs> is for that. You got to know somebody. <laughs> you got to know somebody that knows somebody that can get you in there. Um, from seeing it on TV, because Kansas City has been letting people in from week one, uh, the teams down in Florida, it's sporadic across the country. Some are still not letting people in. Um, but from what I've seen, it's almost like a checkerboard type of look where, say, you go with three of your friends. They'll seat the four of you in a group together, but then the seats around the four of you will be clear. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, they're going to sit people together that came together, that type of thing. They try, they're trying to make it where the row behind you and the row in front of you are clear, and there's, you know, five or six seats in between whoever further down the row. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Carolina has an open-air stadium, so – you know, 5,000 people inside BOA isn't going to really look like a lot. I hope they can overcome whoever was doing the, the, the crowd noise at BOA two weeks ago and actually make it sound like a Panther home game as opposed to uh, a road game or whatnot for when Arizona comes in here. But we'll we'll find out about that. So a little bit of good news, maybe turning the corner a little bit as uh, the Panthers will be able to welcome some of their fans into the stadium. But before we get to that game uh, two weeks from now, Let's talk a little bit about the Chargers. Four keys to the Panthers versus the Chargers. You're listening to the Carolina, uh, the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. Desmond Johnson and Tyrone Poole here with you. Uh, just kind of going through some things that we've seen with the Panthers so far this season. Some things we'll be looking forward to this upcoming Sunday. The kickoff is 4 p.m. on CBS at SoFi Stadium. The brand new Los Angeles stadium that the Rams and the Chargers both share. Um, this is only the seventh time, Ty, that the Panthers and Chargers have even played each other. I was surprised to find out the Panthers are 5-1 and one, uh, in the series versus the Chargers. The Chargers are 0-3 at home against the Panthers uh, in history. So, got a couple things going the Panthers' way here as the Panthers uh, head out to Los Angeles. Uh, four keys to the Panthers versus Chargers. I wrote down a couple. Ty's got a couple. Um, and it's kind of an echo of what we've been saying. For me, the first one was no turnovers for the Panthers uh, in order for them to win on the road. They cannot turn the ball over three times. Tampa Bay scored 17 points on three turnovers. Bridgewater is actually second in the NFC completion percentage-wise. He is throwing 72.4% completion percentage, almost through for 400 yards last Sunday. Teddy is not the problem, although he did have those two interceptions. Take those away. Teddy's been about pretty much as advertised in terms of a steady presence. The offense seems calmer in terms of knowing what they're running. He's more focused and getting the ball out of his hand a lot quicker um, than previous quarterbacks in the Panther uniform. Um, so for me, that's the number one thing because we, we turned the ball over against the Raiders as well. We cannot turn the ball over. I want to see the Panthers get through a game where they don't turn the ball over and and have a chance to win because then it becomes down it comes down to coaching, scheme, talent, heart as opposed to, you know we dug a hole early we're trying to dig out of it we're going to scramble the whole game trying to get back these fourteen points we gave up that we shouldn't have type of situation like we had in Tampa so for me number one uh, key to the game Panthers no turnovers for them to win on the road as they go across the country to L A. Yeah well my my first key i got a bunch of keys uh, i just can't give uh just <laughs> four two it's just like the laced potato chips the old commercial you can't say just can't, no no it's a pringle you just <laughs> pringle, can't yeah. have just one yes so uh but i'll start i'll try uh now again the panthers 
did great as far as, you know, trying to come back in the second half against the Bucks. So sometimes it kind of makes you wonder as a fan, why did they not do this in the first and second quarter? Why you waited to the third and fourth quarter to try to pick up steam? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a reason for that as well. The defense probably played a little bit lax for the Bucks and gave the opportunity for the Panthers uh, offense to collect yards. So with that being said, what type of offense will we see against these Chargers since McCaffrey is down and Mike Davis is in? Again, Mike Davis, 5'9", 220. You got Christian McCaffrey, 5'11", 205, shifty, that type of back that you can let him run routes, line him up as a wide receiver. You can put him all over the place. Can you do that with Mike Davis? Uh, we don't know, mm-hmm. but we're going to find out. So would the Panthers be more of a run-heavy, play-action type of game to kind of let Teddy Bridgewater do what he does, play-action, and then be consistent finding the open man? And slash, I put a slash with that, meaning the run game, and then DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel. I said last week that they would have to step up. Of course, DJ Moore stepped up. He had eight catches. 120, a buck 20. Robbie Anderson was over 100 yards again. Curtis Samuel only 13 yards. So with Christian McCaffrey being down, these guys, along with Teddy Bridgewater, will have to step up. And Mike Davis is going to have to take some of that pressure off by being able to run the ball. So what type of offense are we going to see with these Panthers versus the Chargers this week? Um, yeah, I agree with that. And that, and that, uh, to piggyback off of that, uh, one of my keys again, stop the run, please. Somebody stop the run. The chargers have been, uh, the chargers have actually topped 150 rushing yards in both of their games so far this year. Um, I hate to say it cause he's a rookie, but Derek Brown's got to show up, man. He's had two starts. He only has three tackles, two passes defended, and he's got one tackle for a loss. And last week in Tampa, uh, his rookie bone was really showing because he had two third down penalties that were super costly. He had an unnecessary roughness penalty in the first quarter, a late hit on LaShawn McCoy after he was on the ground pretty much. Uh, That was on third and nine, Ty. So that extended that drive. The very next play on first down, Ronald Jones runs in for a touchdown. Um, He had a hands-to-the-face penalty in the third quarter. It was third and eleven. Uh, he hit Tom Brady in the face uh, while he was trying to throw, resulted in a first down uh, at the Carolina 41. So basically, Brown extended two Tampa Bay drives. Yeah. Uh, pro football focus was not very kind to the Carolina Panthers this week as their rankings came out. There's plenty of uh, Panther defensive uh, players that are ranked last at their position, like out of 155 people or whatnot. Derek Brown, so far two weeks in, he has graded 154th out of 155 defensive linemen this season so far. Um, and he's not the only one on this defense. Trey Boston, I think, ranked uh, next to last out of all safeties, like 154 out of 155, um, which is crazy to me because Trey Boston is usually fairly solid. Um, it, it's just weird that either it's defensive miscommunication or too many rookies playing or just learning a system – or defensive coordinator Phil Snow's got to change some stuff up because, again, I don't remember them blitzing once during the Tampa game. It was almost like they were expecting to get there with three guys, like you were saying, or a four-man front. The Tampa Bay offensive line wasn't very good, and we couldn't put a hand on Tom Brady. So I'm concerned about our pass rush, and I'm also concerned about 
stopping the run. Uh, I've set a goal for the Panthers to limit teams to under 100 yards rushing per game. That seems to be a formula that, that works out very well for the franchise when they do do that. Uh, we had a stretch for a while over a couple of seasons where they hadn't let a team rush for over 100 yards. Uh, it was one of our more successful stretches there. So for me, they definitely got to stop the run of this L.A. Chargers team uh, and don't let them get comfortable and get settled uh, with a rookie quarterback back there starting. Yeah, and I agree with you on with your assessment. Now, again, coming from this Bucks game, now they played against an all-star team. Like you said, Desmond, they didn't look like an all-star team, but the Panther defense did hold what we call an all-star team, uh, <laughs> as the reporter said, to 217-yard passing, 122 yards uh, total rushing. So, you know, there are signs there, but still they got to get sacks on that quarterback. So with that being said and piggybacking off what you're saying, my my keys are, again, I got a lot of slashes, slashes and dashes, uh, <laughs> continuations of what I think they should do. But will this rookie coaching staff, when I say rookie coaching staff for the Panthers, this is their first time being together as a collective group in the NFL. How would they attack a rookie quarterback for the Chargers, Justin Hubbard? Will they be more aggressive, like you said, with Phil Snow? Will he say, hey, you know what? We're going to confuse. We're going to put pressure. We're going to make this rookie quarterback look like a rookie. Or will they allow Justin Hubbard to look like he did against the Chiefs and throw for 300-something yards? So we know that uh, Justin Hubbard is going to be uh, looking for Keenan Allen. He's one of the top – He, in my book, he's one of the top receivers in the NFL. And then they got tight end Hunter – Hunter Henry. So Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen, and you get a little bit of running game going, that could spell trouble for a defense that's already struggling. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this rookie coaching staff of the Panthers being their first time together go and attack a rookie quarterback who started in the NFL, even though this is his second start, but he hasn't had the appropriate time like a normal rookie doing preseason OTAs to get used to the offense. So how do you attack him? I say you peel the cap back and you go get him. You yeah. go get him and you make him play and earn his stripes. You don't sit back and just play in a zone and let him get comfortable. You attack him. You disguise the defenses. You give him many looks and put pressure on him. And now if you want to throw that three-man rush in there, <laughs> like they did against the Bucks, <laughs> you throw it in there. This is the time to do it. But uh, go get this guy, man. Go get uh, Justin Herbert and make him look like a rookie. And I think that's how you come out of this uh, West Coast back to the East Coast with a win. And if I may, I'm going to step ahead of you right here, uh, Desmond. Special teams, come on. Hmm. Special teams, we can't do no more fake punts now. No more. Oh my punts. gosh, we didn't uh, no even touch on that fake punts. punt. <laughs> uh, but special teams will have to play a role too. We got to get some 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 punt returns, some kickoff returns for some touchdowns. Put the offense, you know, in great position. You know, you can get a lot of electricity uh, from special teams to help the offense and defense. So, uh, but I'll let you finish. Like I said, I can go, I can go on and on. Uh, <laughs> a whole lot of stuff, man. So. Well, uh, well, that's a great place where we can kind of wrap this up in a bow here for the week because I did not mention the fake punt attempt. And it, it actually speaks to a larger issue, I think, that's going on with the Panthers right now. I think the coaching staff is out thinking themselves. Like, I really think that they're trying to be cute with some stuff. 
and some things that maybe worked in college, they're finding out don't work in the NFL. There was no reason to go, to do a fake punt when they did a fake punt. If they wanted to go for it on fourth and two where they were, they were already in Tampa territory. Like everyone, everyone watching knew if they were going to fake punt, this was the time to try to fake punt. But that means don't fake punt because that means the defense knows you're going to fake punt too. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. They were ready for it and they stuffed it on fourth and two. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, okay, let's run back the sequence of what just happened here. The Panthers get stalled. Uh, they're across the 50. I think they were like the 35 or something like that for Tampa. Yeah, so they're, they're yeah. right out of field goal range. So they couldn't kick a field goal because according to Coach Rule, uh, the wind was crazy in Tampa that Sunday as well. So they didn't want to risk that. Did I not call that wind? Did I not call that wind? You did. You did call that wind uh, <laughs> last week on the podcast. You mentioned that wind too. Um, so he said they didn't want to kick the field goal. So they trot out the punt team. Now, the win is still going to be in a play, you know, with the punt team. And you look at where they are, and it's fourth and two, and it's obvious as day that they're going to try to fake this and pick up the two yards. And I'm like, it is. just put the offense out there and, and hand it to McCaffrey and block. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, stop making things so complicated. They, they did and, this and two weeks said, ago. And you said, Neil, you, you, you hit it right on the head, man. You know what? Number one, this is the NFL. NFL. As one guy said, I think Jerry Granville said on the NFL highlight, he said the NFL means not for long. Not for long. I'll be bagging groceries. You keep making calls like that. So, ridiculous. you know, coaches or players, you'll be bagging groceries if you keep making calls like that. But I'm like, everybody in the stands know, knew you're not going to punt the ball. Yeah, the ball's on the 36-yard line. And what then you, you see differences in the stance of, people you look at the uh 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 the, the punt unit itself they're more aggressive they're bent down mm-hmm. in a more sturdy position you know something is about to happen you, it, now, it was so guys, obvious it's so <laughs> it was... obvious man people defense these pro you know we get paid too coaches get paid players get paid to study and again i'm like you desmond put the offense out there yeah. and you know what worst case scenario if they don't get it they still have the ball on the 30-something yard line. That's just right. almost like a kick return that you just scored and kicked it to them, and they ran the ball to the 30, 35. They still got to go uh, plenty of yards to get a touchdown or a field goal. So put your offense back out there. Put your big boys out there, and let's Trust see what them. type of team we got. Like you yeah. said earlier in this podcast, what type of team are we known for? So this is these are situations where you put your team out there and you say it is fourth and two. We're going to see. It's time to man up. And mm-hmm. let's go out here and let's show them that we are a powerful, willful, we're going to do it, get it done team. And we're not going to be a trickery team. And to me, that fake punt is like, hey, we can't beat you, so we're going to try to trick you. Oh, man. On, and that, man. that, that reminds me. That, <laughs> that reminds me. One of my good friends here, uh, Coach Todd Willard, he coaches the East Forsyth uh, team, the high school team here in my area that I call play-by-play for. He's mentioned this to me. <clears throat> maybe once a week every time the season's in play because uh, they have a very good program and a lot of schools try to take them down. And he's always said this one thing to me, when I see the other team running trick plays, that tells me I've got them because they're thinking they've got to run these trick plays to score yep. on me. And if yep. they're doing that, especially early, they've given me yep. a, a, a view into their mindset of what they're thinking in terms of us what they thought all week and and everything that comes with it. So he was like, if you're, if you see a team running trick plays early, they're down or something like that. And they're running trick plays or things that don't yeah. make sense. 
It's because it's because of what I just said. That that other team has them. They got them. And that and when I saw that fake punt, I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like what are y'all doing? Like you should just went back out there with the offense, like Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron. That's how he got his name. Instead of sending a punt crew out there a fake punt, Rivera would just send out the offense and go for it. If you got it, great. If you don't, you don't. That's how you get the name Riverboat Ron. So for Coach Rule, I've been willing to give him a mulligan the past couple of weeks on a couple of calls, but there's only so many weeks where you can get away with saying, hey, he's a rookie coach. He's still learning this, you know, what's going on. Some of it's just football. Like, regardless of the level you're on, you just don't do some of these things. Uh, they had another instance last week where they could have handed the ball to McCaffrey for a short uh, first down play, and I think they got stuffed on that. The next time it came around, they decided to pitch it to McCaffrey so he can get out in space, and lo and behold, he gets the first down. Go figure. You know, you give it to your best player, and he picks up a couple yards for you. So, they're kind of learning, I think, but I think they're trying to be like too cute. Like they're outsmarting themselves. It's, it's football, man. It's just football. And I feel like they're trying to do too much to prove that they can do this on this level. With some of the coaching decisions that have happened, because usually yeah. you don't get, you know, every week, two or three decisions yeah. the coach made that are getting talked about on national TV. And that's happened now the first two weeks of the Panther season. So I kind of would like it if we got through week three with no mention of a decision that Coach Rule made during the game because typically uh, it's not good <laughs> if you're talking about the coach that way. Um, I actually tweeted during the game that uh, it's never good to see your head coach trending on Twitter while the game is still being played because usually yeah. that means the coach did something worthy enough to be trending on Twitter to be clowned because that's pretty much what Twitter is for. And <laughs> that's, I saw that. I saw him trending nationally at around about 145. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> and I just started looking through it. And I was like, this is not what I wanted it to be today. So that, that lessons learned. Lessons learned. Lessons learned. Lessons learned. And not only is, you know, do the, do the coaches uh, have uh, to stand up and, and 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 do what they are supposed to do, uh, play calling. But the players as well. We as players have to stand up. Now the coaches can't go out there and 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 play. So uh, you know, I give uh, Matt Rule uh, uh, kudos when I say kudos for being a head coach to make a decision. Once that decision is made, the players have to carry it out. Now, a lot of calls you don't want. You like scratching your head. Why you make that call, coach? But of course, that's why he's the leader. Sometimes the leaders, they make decisions that are unpopular, but they still got to make those calls. But mm -hmm. I want to mention the defense. We talking about, we said earlier, what type of defense do or team you want to be known for? So my thing is, what type of defense do you want to be known for? And what I mean by that is, when you go back into the game, it was about uh, one, I think right after they received the uh, onside kick, which... I wish that we had gotten that Atlanta Falcons uh, onside. That took a level of, of just, I, I don't even, I've never seen that before. Like, you can touch the ball, guys. Go get it. You know? <laughs> now, that is a lack of coaching right there. That's a lack yes. of coaching and a lack of the players understanding. So, uh, but we didn't get that type of uh, ball with the Panthers and the Bucks recovered the onside. But here's where I, what I mean. What type of defense are you going to be? With 156 left in the game, that's still a good enough time, okay, to try to get the ball back. It may be less time about the time when the offense do get the ball back. You probably have seconds, not a minute or something. But your defense, you're in a goal line defense. The Bucks are in a goal line offense. 
and you're in a one gap defense, meaning each guy has one gap responsibility. Your gap is the A gap and you shoot that gap and that's your gap. You're not two gapping. This is a one gap, Imano versus Imano. And still you let the running back break through and go for 46. That there doesn't set well with me. Especially yeah. you know they are going to run the ball and you're in your run defense. And, you know, that has to be fixed. So, you know, it's a lot of things that are still working them, themselves out. We can all say that didn't have no preseason, no OTAs. Yes, I'll, like you said, the mulligan, you know, we'll continue to give mulligans. And maybe week four, week four of a regular NFL season may be similar to just game four of the preseason. You know, everybody now is beginning to jail. So game five may be considered game one of the regular season since they didn't have no preseason. But still yet, you got to win games because every game, this is the regular season and every game counts. Uh, the Panthers are 0-1 in the uh, in the conference and 0-2 overall. So, you know, as you look at the percentages, teams that start 0-2, 0-3, 0-4, or 1-3, their chances of making the playoffs that percentage gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So, you know, this game here against the Chargers, this has to be somewhere we could look at this game as Panther hopefuls and myself as an ex-Panther look at it and say, hey, you know what? I can see the end of the tunnel or will that tunnel look so far away that we still see darkness. So hopefully things will change coming up against this Panther, uh, the Panthers and the Chargers. I believe the Panthers can do it. We did it in 95. We can do it in 2020. So keep pounding. Exactly. Keep pounding. And we're going to end it there. Panthers versus Chargers on CBS this Sunday, 4 p.m. from SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. The Chargers come in one and one on the season. Panthers 0 and 2. But looking at the looking at the standings in NFC South, they're still right there in it. Uh, Tampa Bay is one and one. The Saints are one and one. The Falcons are zero and two after whatever that was against Dallas uh, this past <laughs> Sunday <laughs> on my onside kick. Uh, I'm Desmond Johnson from my cohort, uh, my, my co-host uh, Tyrone Poole. This has been the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. We will see you guys next week with a recap of what happened out in LA, plus a preview against the Arizona Cardinals, where we'll actually have fans in the stands at Bank of America Stadium on October the second. So for everyone here, keep pounding. He pounded. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.